Amen. If we listen to the words of the songs, and we are so blessed to have so much music at our fingertips. Yeah. That are just praising the Lord. Amen. Thank Him for Amen. Amen. <coughs> I ask that you bear with me. I can feel my voice. Isn't as strong as it normally is, and I got another one to go after this at the funeral, so. Yes, ma'am. Well, yeah, if you don't care, I thought Brady was going to get it, but if you could get it, it would be great. No, he's got the nursery. Ah. Now your poor wife's going to think that somebody, we're good. Thank you, John. All right, this morning's scripture, Romans 13. Chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For the rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger, of, uh, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's, God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, and honor to whom honor is owed. Let us pray. Most gracious God, Lord, we thank you for these profound passages found in Romans, Father, and they're very appropriate to us in the world in which we live today, Lord God, and we just pray that your spirit would speak to our hearts and minds as we go about looking into them and perhaps would convince us something different and we pray that lord your spirit would help us to live by these words every day no matter how difficult they may be lord god i pray the words i speak be not of me but be of you and be glorifying unto you for it's in christ's name we pray amen so this will likely be my last message on this section i know y'all probably getting sick and tired of hearing about it but we've got another week nonetheless. Um, we've spent, this will be the, the third one. Uh, I know it may, may seem like longer than that, but we had the first one, we had a week off, then we had the next one, then I, or I had the week off, then we had the next one, and I had COVID after that. So we're back for number three on these seven verses. <coughs> now, I want us to understand that these just aren't the ramblings of Paul. Okay, it's not as if Paul was on a mission and he decided that he was going to go out on a limb and say something that is extraordinary that goes against everything that a Christian should otherwise believe, do, and say. That's not what Paul's doing at all. You remember Jesus, whenever they talked to him about paying taxes, what was his response? Don't pay him, right? It wasn't his response. His response was, render unto Caesar's what is Caesar's and unto God what is God's. Told us straight up. 
pay your taxes. Pay your taxes. That's your job. That's what you should do as a Christian. But it wasn't just Jesus and Paul. Peter gives us a very similar admonition in 1 Peter chapter 2. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. So we see that that Peter gives us the same idea and same thought process that Paul gives us in Romans 13. He's saying these leaders were put here, and they were put here by God, and they were put here for our protection. To punish those that do bad, and to keep safe those who don't. So that's the reasoning that, that Peter gives us, and it's the same reasoning, or pretty much the same reasoning that Paul gave us, right? That they are put here by God. Regardless of how you may think they got there, they were put there by God. They're not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. And so he gives us a generalized rulers maintain order. That's the gist of it. Rulers maintain order. You want to see chaos? You want to see anarchy? Do away with the government whether it's Saddam Hussein or the President of the United States. You want to see chaos reign, that's what happens. It creates a vacuum, and then there becomes a rush for the top. And everybody kills everybody else to see who can be the leader. And it is in those instances that only the mightiest prevail. Bad things happen when there is no order. When there is no type of government authority. One of the beauties of these passages is that God creates a moral sense with everyone, and we see it here. Then do what is good. He said, the rulers are not a terror to what type of conduct? Good conduct, but to bad. So he uses the term good and bad, and then then he goes on and says, then do what is good Verse 4, for he is God's servant for your good, but if you do what is wrong, then be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. (coughs) Excuse me. So what you see here is a moral sense of good, right, and wrong. And Paul's by implication telling us that that doesn't just belong to Christians. It belongs to everybody. There is a a moral sense of right and wrong that God has given to everyone that lives their lives. And you can see it. I mean, you, you you can go to small tribal villages that have established their own sense of government, whether it's a king or the high priest or whatever the case may be, but they have the same sense of right or wrong, correct? I mean, they don't go around killing each other in approve of that. Because that's just something that is inherent within us as human beings that God has given us to be able to establish good and bad. Without this sense of good or bad, then there is no way to govern. 
There's no way that we could ever govern in that sense. If we said all of a sudden, morally speaking, that murder is right, and that everybody can murder whoever they want, it fails, it falls. That's the problem we have if mankind's moral sense of compass starts to change. If our moral compass starts to change, then the governments tend to fail and fall, and they go by the wayside. People say, well, don't legislate morality. Folks, that's all it is, right? What is don't murder? It's immoral to murder somebody, right? Don't steal. It's immoral to steal. That, that's what we do. So that, that's just kind of a, a, a crutch that people lean on and a, a line that they like to use. Don't legislate my morality. Well, morality and right and wrong are given to us as gifts from God so that we can coexist in harmony. Take the eternal aspect out of it, this, this finite time that we have on earth. If God didn't instill within us a sense of right and wrong good and bad, then only chaos ensues. And there is never any sense of order. There is no way that we could ever protect each other. So we see that governments govern based upon this inner idea of what is right and what is wrong. When we change what is morally accepted, then we run the risk of being unable to ever be governed or govern each other. But sometimes things happen that change governments, right? And we have situations such as this that is warned about in Isaiah. You see this one thrown around a lot these days, right? Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Those that take what God has given us as morally right and turned it upside down and called it morally wrong. Woe to those people. Woe to them. It does great damage to everyone. It does great damage to Christians eternally. It does great damage to the world with respect to being able to be governed and, and being able to set forth what is truly right and what is truly wrong. Timothy, Paul warns Timothy about this as well. In 2 Timothy 3.13, While evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. So it was a shot across the bow that Paul gives to Timothy. Bad times are ahead. Bad things are coming. Get ready. Because there's going to be imposters, there's going to be deceivers, there's going to be liars. Just be ready for that. Hitler comes to my mind, right? He he comes to the forefront of my mind, but history is replete with different variations of that throughout time. But Hitler comes to my mind that all of a sudden it was okay to murder, mass murder Jews. He took what God had given him. And he adulterated it to the point that murder was good to him. He justified it in his mind. He took what God had called evil and made it good, and what he called good and made evil. 
And that is a danger. So there comes a difficult situation. When the purpose behind Paul's and Peter's exhortation no longer exists. And when I say purpose behind that, the purpose was for our protection, right? That they were to, governments are instilled and set in place by God to make sure bad things are done to people that do bad things and that good people are protected or people that do good things are protected. So that was one of the purposes. But it wasn't the sole purpose of Paul's exhortation. He says, let us be subject to the governing authorities. Why? For there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. So we are to submit to governing authorities because they are instituted and set in place by God. They're there, and this may be difficult for you to understand or to come to grips with. I understand that. I get that. But they are there because God put them there. End of story. Now, there are those that will say, well, I understand kings and kings have children and God controls that. And he may do that with kings and queens. But, <coughs> excuse me, we live in a representative republic where we, we vote and we put our own people in place. And so it's a whole different deal. No, it's not a whole different deal. I've told you so many times that God works in and through us to accomplish his will. It's the way he does things. Even though we don't understand it and we don't know it and we don't feel like that's happening, that's exactly what's happening. So every office holder from town council to the president of the United States is in place right now because God put them there. God put them there. So whenever we see that, then it changes perspective a little bit on all this, doesn't it? You remember he said... Honor those who deserve honor and respect those who deserve respect. So whenever we don't honor and we disrespect those that are there, who are we really dishonoring and not respecting? I know it hurts, guys. It hurts. But it's God's words. I'm not going to make it any easier on you because I'm guilty too. So when we don't give honor to those and don't give respect to those, who are we really not giving honor and respect to? Answer me now. God, God, wow, that's a whole new ball game. That changes perspective dramatically, doesn't it? As much as we have a hard time grasping that God put that, whatever it is in that place, that's the reality. That's the reality of it all. Maybe we should stop and think about the honor and respect that we have absolutely lost both sides everybody in this country have lost to our leaders it's gone it's gone (coughs) the problem that we have with all of this is whenever we see the leader doing things we don't disagree with and we can't understand how God could work through that that's our short-sightedness folks that's just the reality is we don't we're not God Whenever we see some awful tragedy happen, we know that God's in control of everything. 
And just because we can't see God in it doesn't mean he's not there. He's absolutely there. He's on his throne. He's controlling everything according to his will. As I said a few weeks ago, Paul just tells us, submit, end of story, walks away. That's what he tells us to do. He doesn't equivocate. He doesn't give us any exceptions to the general rule. He just says, submit and walk away. And I ask you the question, why do you think that he didn't go on and say, well, in certain circumstances, it's okay? Why is that the case? And I'll refresh you a little bit. It is much more dangerous as an individual on an eternal level to have a spirit that fights against submission than it is to have one that submits. If you won't submit to anybody or anything, then I will promise you you're going to have extreme difficulty submitting to God. If you're going to say, you ain't the boss of me, nobody's going to direct me or tell me what to do, then you're also going to say, God, you're not going to tell me what to do. Because I know right now there are those that are pushing back with all this, right? It's not me saying this, this is God saying this. And if we can't submit to each other, if we can't submit to governments, we can't submit to God. And that has eternal ramifications. Because if you want to be your own cowboy your entire life, that's certainly your right. But eternity waits. And eternity depends on our ability to submit to God and do what he asks us to do. And that is accept his son, to follow his son. To act in ways that glorify him and glorify his son. So in my mind, that's why Paul just gives a blanket statement. Submit to the governing authorities. I say nothing else. Not going any further. Because that failure to submit, where does it come from? Pride. Absolutely right, Mike. It's the only place that it comes from. The failure to submit this notion or idea that I'm not going to do whatever you're going to tell me to do regardless of the fact. It's all about me, right? It's my pride that causes that to come up within me. And we know that God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. When, when, when you have a marriage, there is oftentimes many battles that take place over the, you ain't the boss of me, Right? And it's just the pride that's within you. That's all that it is. You're not going to tell me what to do. Not going to ask for a raise of hands because you'd just be lying to me if everybody didn't raise their hands. That's just what we are as human beings. But it's not who we are called to be as Christians. But unfortunately, that's part of the old man that hangs on. <clears throat> he tells us that submitting to the government is essentially submitting to God. Alternatively, although that has eternal ramifications, right? That pride that causes us to harden ourselves and refuse to submit to anybody, anything, God included, will end up in eternal damnation. Alternatively, how many people have been eternally damned by being persecuted by the government? The government can do all kinds of things to us, but they won't damn us eternally. They don't have that power. 
So you see what's weighed in the balance. And that's why Paul says, do this and leave it alone. The government's not going to send us and condemn us to hell for eternity. That's the difference. But what about times when the governing authorities aren't necessarily acting the way they're supposed to? He says, therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists God. (coughs) But let's go back to Acts. Several years ago, we went through the book of Acts. And we saw this play out. We looked at it again a few weeks ago. So we have Peter and the apostles at the temple. And they were preaching Jesus. They got arrested. They got thrown in jail. God appeared to them in the middle of the night through an angel, set them free, told them, go back and preach. Keep doing what you're doing. And what does Peter and the apostles do? They go back and they keep preaching. So they get arrested again. Verse 27. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charge you not to teach in this name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this, bl- this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostle answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him in a tree. So Peter's response in verse 29, we must obey God rather than men. So Peter obviously wasn't following what he had written about in the second chapter of Peter, right? And he wasn't following what Paul had written about because he wasn't submitting to the government authorities, the institutions of man, the Jewish leaders at the time. So what gives? What gives? I think we see an exception to that general rule that we are to obey the government. I I think we can take a lot from this passage, but we definitely see there's a clear demarcation between governmental edicts and commands of God. Government rules and godly commands. Peter had been told by God, preach his word. We've been told by God, share the gospel, right? We have a lot of things that we have been asked by God to do. And yet here we have these Jewish leaders telling Peter, can't do it. Don't do it any longer. I want us to look at this in a little greater detail. This was an outright rule that they set and banned completely no preaching period no preaching at all and I think it's important that we recognize this it was just not to preach ever under any circumstances at any time at any place it was an outright ban on all of Peter's preaching it wasn't a restriction 
to a time as a, to a time or place. It wasn't just an inconvenience. Okay? Now I want you to take that. It wasn't an inconvenience. It wasn't as if the Jewish leaders told Peter, Peter, we don't want you preaching in the temple. You can go out on the street and you can preach the gospel all you want. We don't want you preaching in the temple. Or Peter, we don't want you preaching in the temple between 3 and 6. We make Jewish sacrifices during those times. We don't want you interfering with that. That that wasn't the case, right? And so I think those are distinctions that really we need to look at. What do you think had been the case, and I don't like bringing up what ifs, but I think it's appropriate in this situation. What do you think had been the case if Peter was preaching in the temple and it so infuriated the Jews that hundreds of Jews were killed during that period of time. What do you think the case would have been? Would have not the leaders been doing exactly what God had called them to lead to do, and that would be protect everybody else by saying, Peter, we're going to have to change something. We're going to have to either do it at a different time, we're going to have to do it at a different place. Is it inconvenient? Yeah, it is. But we're sitting here trying to juggle all these people that are getting trampled or killed and died and trying to lead this. And we don't want that at the same time giving you the ability and opportunity to preach the gospel message that God's asked you to do. That changes things in my mind. And I hope that you can see the difference. This was an outright ban. No preaching, end of story. Can't share the gospel message any longer. Do you think that Peter would have said, sorry, I'm doing what God told me, end of story? Do you think that would have been his response? Or do you think he would have appreciated the leaders for actually trying to protect someone and saying, okay, I'm still going to preach the gospel, but I'm going to do it maybe in a different place, at a different time, in a different way. But that's not going to change. I can't answer that. We don't have that before us. But I think that changes the scenario greatly when we look at it in those terms. <coughs> but that wasn't the case here. It was not the case here. We know that the leaders who banned Peter from preaching, they did not do so out of a desire to protect anybody. And we see that up in verses 17 and 18. When the high priest rose up, And all who were with him, that is, the party of the Sadducees, filled with what? Jealousy. They weren't filled with a desire to help anybody. They were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and they put them in public prison. So the leaders were just worried about losing their power. They were just jealous over what was going on. They weren't trying to protect anyone. They weren't trying to maintain order in any way. It was just merely an attempt to shut Peter and the apostles up and to shut them down. <coughs> Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. A command, all right? I want everybody to know that this is a command. And let us not consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing north. Meet together, coming to church, fellowship, it is a command. It is a requirement that God puts on us to do. 
There are people in this world today that that is forbidden. That is forbidden. They're in North Korea right now. They're in China right now. What do they do? What do they do? They've got three options, basically. They can disobey God, not meet. They can meet knowing that if they're caught, it will likely cost them their lives. Wow. How soft are we? Right? How soft are we? We're tired on Sunday morning and we, I'm going to take this Sunday off. Right? They're meeting together in dark places knowing that the minute they get caught, they're dead and yet they're there. They don't have to meet. They can, they can disobey God. They can meet knowing that it would likely cost them their lives if they got killed. Or they can try to change the government, overthrow the government. Three options. Three options. What, what do they do? What do they do? I say that the appropriate option, given everything that we've seen and everything that we've studied, is number two. You meet because that's the command of God. It was just like he commanded Paul to preach the gospel. We don't answer to man, we answer to God. And there's a clear demarcation between what China and North Korea and some of these countries are doing and their ability to do what God has asked them to do. You serve God. You make that command. It's not just an inconvenience, it's an absolute ban on meeting together. And I think that's important as we look at it. We see what God tells us to do. Now, as to the third option, what did Jesus spend his time doing when he was here? I mean, there, there, there's been no government history that is more deadly and, and ruthless than what the Roman government was and what Caesar was. He spent zero time trying to overthrow the government or trying to do things to trip up Caesar. None. He was more interest, interested in hearts. He was more interested in the kingdom of God than he was the kingdom of man. And as I said so many times, we can learn so much from just looking to see what, what Jesus did in those types of situations. So ultimately, I think there's a litmus test for all of us. And, you know, some of the areas are very difficult for us to, to comprehend and understand and may not be what our flesh wants us to do. But I think the first question that we must ask when we're given a situation such as these, that we, such as these examples, is what we're being kept for doing or being asked to do, is it in violation of God's commandments to us? Does it keep us from worshiping God? Now, it may keep us from worshiping God the way we're accustomed to or the way we necessarily would rather do because of an inconvenience. It's not what I'm talking about. Does it keep us from worshiping God? I think that's a, the first question we have to ask ourselves when we're dealing with these types of situations. If we can worship God and we can keep His commands and we can do what He has asked us to do, submit. End of story. Because that's what Paul tells us. That's what Peter tells us. If it interferes to the point where we can't, we have to serve God. It's 
it's pretty simple. But the questions get very difficult. And the circumstances get very gray and, and hard for us to make that determination. Everybody has to search their own conscience whenever this comes about. But I want us to know, as I said when I started this chapter three weeks ago, it's a very important chapter because these are obviously commands for us as well that Paul has given us. Submit to your government because God's put them in place for a reason. And I think and you look behind the scenes and you see the reasoning that Paul gives that God has put them in place for whatever his purpose is. I don't know that. I can't fully see all that, nor can anybody else. But we just have to trust him. And it sort of changes our whole outlook on things whenever we do that. And as long as they're not doing what the Sadducees did to Peter whenever he was trying to preach in the temple, and it doesn't interfere with our ability to worship, and I don't, I use the term interfere incorrectly. Interfering is different than banning our ability to worship and serve God. If we can worship and serve God, even though it may not be as convenient as it was at another time, I think we're good. I I don't think that anything else has to happen. As long as I can serve God the way he's asked me to serve him and do the commands that he's asked me to do, it's a pretty simple, simple answer in my mind. Amen? Let us pray. Most gracious God, Lord, these words are difficult. These these passages are, are very hard. They're hard because we come from fallen backgrounds. They're hard because they just don't seem right sometimes, Lord. And that's correct. You're not of this world. And your kingdom is not of this world. And the way you operate is not the way that fallen man operates. And Father God, I pray that you would just help mold us into who you want us to be because sometimes it's really difficult and it's really hard to understand where you're going at times but Lord we pray for greater faith faith to fully trust you with leadership with protection and help us to always know and understand that this world is just passing we're here for a brief moment that everything that we do in this life is merely preparing us for eternity. Help us to maintain an eternal, an eternal view of our lives here in the passing. And Father, we pray that you would help us to live our lives according to your word, not according to how our will wants to shape it or how we want to see things, Lord, but according to what you tell us and how you tell us to go about it. And we pray that it is glorifying unto you, for it is in Christ's precious name. Amen. All right. May the grace and glory of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ be with you all. Have a blessed week and stay safe. Amen.